this is episode zero of What If Everything You Know About School Is Wrong? With me, your host, Dr. Anthony Hajmahalis. This podcast has been produced in order to advance the Mentally Healthy and Trauma-Informed Schools Initiative and to provide thought-leading professional development and leadership consulting to school communities nationwide and throughout the world. Here is the why, folks. Children are struggling in school. Here are some of the facts. A 2016 national survey of children's health reports that 8.4% or 5.4 million children have a current ADHD diagnosis. A National Institute of Mental Health study conducted in August of 2017 by Harvard Medical School found that 31.9% or 16 million children have current anxiety disorder as per the DSM-4. And the National Center for Mental Health studied childhood trauma. In 2012, they placed the number at 25% of all school-aged children. They say that these 25% experience a significant traumatic event before they turn four years old. So what does that mean for school? What does that mean for a teacher? Well, let's think about this. That means that there's one student in every 20 student class that has an ADHD diagnosis. It means that there are six students in every 20 student class with an anxiety disorder. And it means that there are five students in every 20 student classroom that has a traumatic history prior to the age of four. Yet, colleges do not make it first and foremost to train future educators, and this is all educators, frankly, include superintendents, teachers, guidance counselors, child study team members, and aides, and the many, many other workers in schools as well. Everybody from our coaches, to our bus drivers, to our volunteers. Meanwhile, students are at risk for health problems, depression, alcoholism, drug abuse, accidents, being fired from jobs, being suspended from school, suicides, or other serious problems. Two other serious problems include financial problems or even a higher propensity to divorce. Now, what is affected by ADHD, anxiety, and trauma? Well. Operating memory, for one, is directly affected. And what does this condition do? But it blocks access to our thinking brain, to our memory storehouse, to our ability to problem solve, to rationally think, to exhibit self-control, and to have access to our executive functioning skills. So let's take a walk back into history. Take a visit with me to 1687, and we catch up with Sir Isaac Newton, an English mathematician and physicist, who, legend has it, discovered gravity while he observed a falling apple landing straight down from a tree. Well, Newton began pondering the forces of nature and asked himself, why did the apple not fall on a curve? Why did it not fall on an angle? 
a spiral, and so on and so forth. And so the saying goes, what goes up must come down. Well, I'm not a mathematician, and I'm not concerned with classical mechanics theory, but I find the thought process to be very interesting. And as a school principal, I want to know why my students tend to fall out of their classrooms and continually land in the same locations. I really want to focus on disrupting the process with some real force. As Newton suggests, it's the only way to offset a body in motion from staying in motion. So what forces at work should we apply? How about inquiry and action? Let's start with revisiting the age-old question of what is school? Not in the sense of the physical building or the memories that we personally have, the materials, the supplies, or even the numerical data that's reported and shared to the states, but rather in the larger context of school's purpose. In future broadcasts, we're going to delve into these things more specifically. In the time being, thank you for listening. At this time, this podcast is not sponsored or affiliated with any funding sources, and it is not affiliated with my employer. The thoughts and ideas expressed here are my own. Thank you, and I look forward to connecting with you soon. observation, I want to know why U.S. students are falling out of their symbolic trees or classrooms and continually landing in the exact same locations time and time again. For some, it's a continued life of traumatizing experiences that could include poverty or life on the street, a life of crime, prison, or in some cases even the grave. Well, you know, year after year, education pundits spout the same repackaged school reform initiatives, but the primary academic purpose of school has largely remained the same. In order to change the trajectory of where our students end up landing, we must disrupt the entire system. Let's flip the whole idea of school on its head. What if the primary purpose of school is not for adults to teach students the academic facts that they deem important. What if the primary purpose of school is for the students to teach us what they deem as important? You know, there's an old African proverb and it talks about if you don't initiate your young people into the tribe, they will burn down the village. I find it to be very fitting. Young people today are certainly telling us what they deem as important. And there are actually several very progressive approaches to school that do exactly this. Some schools aim their purpose at primarily developing or enhancing school culture. Well, what does that mean? Culture is a network of individual units and beliefs and values and needs thoughts, desires, values, right? And so aiming at each individual then aims at enhancing the whole school culture. 
So one well-known approach to this exact idea is called the sanctuary model. Now, I don't work for the sanctuary model, and I've only read about it, but it was very interesting. It was developed by Dr. Sandra Bloom, an associate professor at Drexel University, which is in Philadelphia. And this model engages organizational leaders and staff to develop an organizational culture where staff model, get this, functional relationships, and students build skills in key areas such as safety, emotional management, self-regulation, and conflict resolution. At the same time, open communication, healthy boundaries, healthy social relationships, and character development are promoted. These schools look at every situation as a unique learning experience. Administrators in Arkansas who attended a two-day training on mentally healthy and trauma-informed schools reported a significant increase in their knowledge of trauma-informed practices as well as a significant increase in their active support of trauma-informed assessment and trauma-informed care among the staff in which they supervise. Researchers and practitioners in the field agree that trauma-informed approaches at the system level make intuitive sense, and a growing body of research supports their implementation as evidence-supported approaches. But in order to pull this off, traditional school policies and procedures, along with classical instructional and classroom management models, must be dismantled and replaced by vastly different paradigms altogether. This is where the heavy lifting really begins. Now, several specific strategies for student-centered school culture maintain that school administration should support and promote trauma-sensitive approaches school-wide through several different means. Board of Education level strategic planning. All things have to start at the very, very top. Assessment of staff training needs. Most colleges and universities don't prepare their future educators. And again, this includes superintendents, this includes principals, teachers, aides, uh, all staff in between, our counselors, child study team. And then it talks about confidential review and planning for individual known cases. So in a classroom of 20, we're going to have more than half the class that's going to be affected by ADHD, anxiety, or trauma. We have to review our policies, particularly our school discipline policy, to make sure that we're not consequencing our students or borderline criminalizing their actions when it has to do with a mental health issue. Mental health does not constitute a disciplinary response. We have to remember that when we're working with these students. We have to develop community partnerships, right? What does that mean? That means all the stakeholders within a given school community needs to be aware and aboard that we're moving the initiative forward. The efforts have to be reviewed and evaluated on a regular basis. The staff development must incorporate training on trauma that addresses how to strengthen relationships, relationships between the staff members and the children. That's where the work needs to be done. If we're going to develop the skills, the executive functioning skills, 
the ability to resolve conflict, strategically think, self-control, self-management. It's all going to come from relationships. We have to identify and access school-based and outside clinical and non-clinical supports. Not everyone has to be a licensed clinical social worker to interact with students who are experiencing uh, any one of these issues, but certainly we're going to want to have access to those who are as well. And our goal is going to be to help traumatized children regulate their emotions to ensure academic and social success through teaching social emotional character development, mindfulness, and executive function curriculum. This has to be our mainstay, not the thing we do in in addition, but this has to be the thing that we do every day. When we're lesson planning, what are we thinking about? We're thinking about SEL, character development, executive function, conflict resolution, mindfulness, digital citizenship. All of those components are going to lend to building a mentally healthy and trauma-informed school. While certainly not an all-encompassing list, we do have some supporting evidence outside of my own personal experiences, and we have a starting point, um, as now we can uh, actually look to empirical data, and we have our why at the front and, and, and most importantly at the forefront of what we're doing. Future blogs will talk more about the practicality of how to disrupt the current forces at work, as we aim to alter the trajectory of our students' futures. In upcoming posts, or I should say broadcasts, we'll delve into exactly how to implement a mentally healthy and trauma-informed school from the ground up. We'll explore how to create a sense of urgency, spearhead an advisory panel, write supportive policies and procedures, implement the Model 4T, which is the marquee professional development system, model our best theory and practice the mindset of self-care or get nowhere. Thank you for listening at this time. And this podcast is not sponsored or affiliated with any funding sources. It is not affiliated with my employer. All thoughts, ideas, and expressions are my own. I look forward to talking with you again. Thank you. Bye-bye.